Before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we uh, come to you, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and kindness. Uh, We thank you for uh, who you are. We thank you that you are our God. And we know that in the midst of trial and tribulation, uh, you are our God. There is nothing that you cannot handle, and that there's nothing out of your hands. There's nothing that that you cannot uh, uh, see forward, O Lord, and that there is nothing that you are not in control of. Everything is under your providential hand. And so, God, we thank you that we get a chance to be Christians, Christians who follow Jesus, who know the good news of the gospel. So, Lord God, we pray that as we dive into this text this morning, that, God, you would give us wisdom, discernment, satisfaction in the depths of our soul as we feed on your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So, uh, the message this morning is on laying aside our rights, laying aside our rights. Before I go into that, uh, just to let you know, Pastor Ted is away for this weekend, and he's preaching at Joy Bible Camp in Bancroft, Ontario, and, and then also we have Pastor Chris is also away preaching at Toronto West, so if you can think of them to pray for them, it's a really busy morning uh, of, of preaching uh, for, for, for the staff, and so um, we're really delighted that we get a chance to, uh, to do this. So laying aside our rights, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1 to 18, and as we continue on in our series, uh, I've just been so enamored, and I don't know about you, but I've been enamored every time I sit and, and, and listen to Pastor Ted, and Pastor Chris has preached once as well, uh, but, but to listen to him expound the word of God, the very thing that comes to my mind is, why is this so convicting? Why is it that after service I can barely talk? I just want to be quiet. It's because of one reason, and the reason is this, is that I started, as I've started preparing for this message a few weeks ago, I was thinking, Lord God, why is it that, that, that this book is about divisions and conflict and, and, and issues on sexual immorality and singleness and divorce and all these kinds of things happening within the church at Corinth? And why is it that we can still settle our souls in the, in the greatness of God after every sermon. And, and, it's, and it's this. It's conscience. You see, God has given us a conscience. A conscience to know and understand his word. If you're a believer here, the spirit of God dwells within you. And as you listen to God's word, you begin to think, mm, this, how does this apply to me? Am I putting the Lord first? How, how, how am I sinning against the holy God? And so as we, as we go through this, this, this book, it's beautiful because it's not just about resolving issues. It's about God testing our conscience to see whether or not it is good and true and clear. So the same thing for this morning. I'd like to text, test our consciences. And as Daniel Darko read in this passage, I was pondering on the context of this passage. Pastor Ted, uh, he... he um, uh, the very next slide here, Um, he spoke on this this flow flow of ideas. First and foremost, from chapter 8, verse 1 to 13, uh, he speaks about how idols, or the Basically, that, like the, the knowledge of 
of, of idols and that which is sacrificed to idols, it puffs up because sometimes you think, okay, well, I am more spiritual than the other, therefore I have a clear conscience and I can do this. But you can let your brother or sister stumble if you do it, right? So even if you have knowledge, if knowledge puffs up and you have no love, then you can't edify a person, right? Chapter 9, verse 1 to 27, which is what we're going to get into today, is an illustration of how Paul lays aside his right in order for the benefit of the church and for the further proclamation of the gospel. 10, verse 1 to 13 speaks about how Israel fell into idolatry, wandered in the wilderness, and frustrated the Lord because, because they did not obey God and followed idols. And, and then the application comes in chapter 10, verse 14, all the way to 33. The first application has to do with food uh, offered in, 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 in um, the temple. And there's idols, idol worship as well too, where, whereby, whereby there is food that is not pleasing to God. And that, that, that food is being offered to demons. Right? And so, and then, and then in chapter 23 to 33... He goes on to say that if you go to a person's home or if you're going visiting a market, don't just, you know, avoid certain foods, all right? Because all foods are clean because of, because of your conscience before the, before the Lord. But if you go to a person's home and that person says, yeah, the food I'm offering to you right now has been offered to an idol. And Paul says, don't take it because it's already, the, 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 the person has already made a claim that this has been offered to an idol. So stay away from that. Stay away from that. So all in all, as we see in this text uh, going forward, there's, uh, there's an exegetical idea and then there's a homiletical idea. We want to get to the point of why is this text saying what it's saying? And then what does this text mean? by what it's saying. So the exegetical idea, it's just a big word for meaning, like, what is the text actually saying? What, when you read the Bible, what is it actually saying? So this is the exegetical idea. Paul wanted the church to know that his right to financial support did not surpass, did not surpass his desire to preach the gospel for free. This is really interesting. He had a right for, to financial support, support, but it did not surpass his desire to preach the gospel for free. The homiletical idea, which is basically the sermon idea, when you and I come out of this sermon, you and I should be able to uh, come to this conclusion. And this is the conclusion. You and I need to understand our rights and lay them down for the sake of of the gospel. And what I mean by for the sake of the gospel is for the furtherance of the gospel, not just in speech and in proclamation, but in your life. How is the gospel of Jesus Christ being lived in your life? Lay aside your rights. Understand them, but lay aside your rights. So let's dive into this text this morning. There's a series of self-evident questions here in verse 1 to verse 2. It says here, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are, you not, are, are not you my workmanship in the Lord? 
If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. You see, Paul explains himself in questions. He tries to let the people know, this is after he talks about like uh, the, 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 how knowledge puffs up and, and, and love edifies. And then he then speaks about his own authority. See, the authority that he has as an apostle was given by Jesus Christ. He says, am I not free? What does that mean? He's not talking about his freedom in the context of the society. He's talking about his freedom to preach the gospel, to be there at Corinth for 18 months. He's talking about his freedom in Christ Jesus. And, And then he goes on, he says, am I not an apostle? Do I not have a standing in front of you? Do you not know that, uh, that the Lord Jesus himself spoke to me? Do you not know that, that you are my workmanship? Meaning he has invested time and, 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 and energy to preach the gospel to the church at Corinth. And then he goes on to say, if, if to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, it speaks of that too. Paul says, you are my letter. He knows this church. He longs to, to, to uh, speak to this church about the divisions within the church. And he longs to tell them of this truth. And the truth is this. To lay down your rights. And we're, we're going to go little by little, section by section, and we're going to talk about the exegetical idea first, and then later on, at the very end, we're going to talk about the homiletical idea, which is the preaching idea, which is your application and my application when we walk out these doors. The first is this. Paul speaks of laying down his rights, and this is just a, a fact, by stating his rights. By stating his rights. The text says here, this is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat or drink? Do we not have uh, the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? You see, Paul uses questions to help the church at Corinth identify some of the issues that were going on. And one of the issues is that there was a division between some of the apostles or or basically a, a, a categorization, not a division, sorry, a categorization of Paul and Barnabas versus Cephas and the brothers of Jesus, who they were able to take along a believing wife. And, and they were able to be supported. Now the text here says, "Who do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? What he means by that is that as as the people, as the gospel presenters, as those who presented the gospel took along a believing wife, they were financially supported. That, that's how it worked. And then Paul here is saying, like, what about, like, they're categorized 
as people who can be financially supported. But, but, but what about us? See, verse 6 says this, or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Now, the the context of working for a living is to do something outside of preaching the gospel full-time. So, basically, the church at Corinth was saying, I don't care how busy you are um, preaching the gospel full-time, but I expect you to work another job in order for you to support yourself to preach the gospel full-time. Verse 7, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of its milk? You see, the fruit of their labor is also partly theirs. A soldier, a gardener, a shepherd. You see, people need to be supported in their work because they work. And because they need to further do more work, they need to survive. And so this is just a principle from Deuteronomy 20, verse 6, which explains this logic that, that, that you should be able to take some of the fruit of your labor. It's a biblical principle. So Paul is not afraid. He's not beating around the bush. He's not trying to be like, oh, I, I'm just going to apologize for, for, for just, you know, disturbing you. No, he states his rights. He says, this is my right. And you're categorically putting this group of people in, 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 in one section, and you're putting me and Barnabas in another. There's a, an examination of Paul and Barnabas, examining them. Examining their ministry, examining whether or not they really were worthy. You see, it's always good to know your rights, but rights are not yours to begin with. You know, rights are actually privileges, it's privilege, right? It's a privilege. And so, when we, when, we, when we think about rights, we have to think along the lines of what is Paul right, trying to say here? Is he trying to say, I deserve this, so give it to me? Or is he trying to say, I'm trying to tell you what is true and what is good and what is my privilege? You see, he's not demanding He's not demanding that he receive it. He's just simply stating the facts that he deserves it. And you know, that's good. And so often we forget, in in living in a world, we forget that God wants us to make clear statements of the privileges that we have under him. Under the government, we have certain privileges, which is wonderful. certain privileges are taken away, we need to speak up as well. But we don't demand it, and we we don't say, hey, it has to be ours. You see... Paul makes a statement, but then let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going, because it's going to actually help us understand that he slowly sees what's most important, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is his mission. 
And the second point is this. Paul speaks of laying down his rights by explaining the scriptures, by explaining the scriptures. Here it says, Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? Is it written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop? If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Okay, some rhetorical questions here, but some questions of evaluation for the church at Corinth. He goes back to the law of Moses. He explains the scriptures. And this is important because whenever we talk about rights, and this is a biblical uh, uh, example here, Paul talks about his rights in light of society, in light of those around him, in light of logic. And then he talks about his rights in light of In light of the scriptures. Because God has provided in his word. Backup. Ammo. Evidence. That that your rights are valid and good. And Paul is expressing here that his right to, to receive money and financial support is a good thing. You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 25 verse 4, it speaks of this. And it's not that God is only caring for the oxen. I mean, just imagine if you, you muzzle an oxen when he's actually treading out the grain. I mean, he has no, no, no way of him just to nibble on the little, on the little food uh, items on the side. He has no way for him to gain sustenance. And you're muzzling him, you're stopping him from gaining energy so that he could continue to work. Right? So that's, 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 it's talking about an animal here. But then in verse 10, it says, Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It is written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope, and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing the crop. You see, the plowman plows to till the soil in order to plant the seed. The thresher threshes in order to take the grains and to take the kernel and to, and, and to take in the harvest. One sows the seed, one takes the harvest. Either worker deserves his wages. In, uh, Dr. Thomas Schreiner says this. He says, Paul resorts uh, to a typical rabbinical argument from the lesser to the greater. If oxen should be fed when they are working and treading out grain, how much more is the true is this true of those who proclaim the gospel? This is a this is a very simple fact. You're talking about an animal here who deserves to have a little nibble of, of that food, and 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 yet you're not paying. The pastor, you're not paying the, the apostle, you're not, you're not helping him in his ministry. It doesn't make any sense. A worker is worth his wages. 
And notice in verse 11, it says, if we have sown things, spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? So if there is this priority of spiritual help and, and, the, and that the church is being uh, helped in knowing the gospel, then isn't it, isn't it natural for the church to respond and say, yes, I want to help you financially. I want to help your family. I want to be by your side for the gospel ministry. The church at Corinth didn't understand that. Didn't understand that. On to verse, uh, second part of verse 12. Nevertheless, we have not made this use of this right, made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. I love what he says there. This is the first time he mentions it. He mentions it, I think, in verse 14 or 15. He mentions this. He says, we have not made use of this right. It's the first time, and this is why the title of this sermon is Laying Aside Our Rights. Because there's something in Paul. There's a love that Paul has for the people. And there's a love that Paul has for God that supersedes his right to be paid. And that is so opposite of our world right now. That is so opposite. We're entitled to this. We're entitled to this. I feel self-pity, self-pity. So I got to drive myself to entitlement and I have to be able to get what I want and get my rights because I have privileges. And it's true, you do. But as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, what are you excited about? Are you excited about getting what you deserve? Actually, by the way, that's, if we all got what we deserve, we'd be, all be in hell right now. But we feel like we deserve more, especially as we're living, breathing, we're healthy, we just want to do our own thing and go to Disney World. I mean, like, think about it, right? Let's, let's think about this for a moment. God has given us, even through the scriptures as we've read it, and by the way, I'm going, I'm going further, there's more evidence here. God has given us rights. He's given us privilege. It's given by him. And the question is, how do you respond when someone or a group of people do not give you what you rightfully deserve? Verse 13, do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. And he's talking about the Lord, Jesus Christ, making this statement in Luke chapter 10, verse 7. So the next slide, it says here, here's a, a way to understand this. There's, there's an understanding that, that, that Paul is speaking about uh, muzzling an ox or just uh, while he is tr uh, threshing. And in the very same way, he's talking specifically about a plowman and a thresher, basically a farmer. They're always, <laughs> a farmer is always going to have hope of receiving the fruit of his labor, right? And Deuteronomy 25, verse 4. So what should be provided for that farmer or for that oxen? It's the fruit of the harvest, is what provides the sustenance. 
And then also for the temple servant. Those who serve in the temple, it's provided by the temple offering. Listen to me in this. Deuteronomy 18 verse 1 to 4 says this. The Levitical priests, all the tribe of Levi, shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. Okay, it's interesting he says this. He says, they shall eat the Lord's food offerings as their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is their inheritance as he promised them. And this shall be the priest's due from the people, from those offering a sacrifice. Whether an ox or a sheep, they shall give to the priest the shoulder and two cheeks and the stomach. The first fruit of your grain, of your wine and of your oil, and the first fleece of your sheep, you shall give them. You see, the Levites, the Levitical tribe was considered the priest uh, was considered the, the, the tribe of the priests. And so they were to receive support from those who offered their sacrifices to God. And so a portion, which is, a ten, which is more than 10%, but a portion of that goes to the priests, to the Levites. It's important for us to know that those who serve in the temple are provided by the temple. And then here's another principle. It's a missionary. And I don't think the word missionary is used in Luke 10 verse 7. But here Jesus explains how the 72 were being supported in their gospel labor. He sent out the 72 and then he said this. And remain in the same house eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Again Jesus is stating this, uh, this fact. He's stating this because he's saying this is the truth. As you go from house to house as a missionary, as a person who's presenting the gospel, you should not feel the obligation to have to go and work at Walmart in order to come back and then have to, uh, you know, receive help. You have to receive help where you have been situated. So as you go into this home, receive that food, receive that drink, receive that with thankfulness. For a laborer is worth his wages. A laborer deserves his wages. That's, that's a principle, right? So you see this. So will you, will you not think that this is Paul's right now in his argument to say that the, the church at Corinth should rightfully support him financially? So on to the next slide here. Second Thessalonians Chapter 3, verse 6 to 9. Now we're going to get into a little bit of an interesting situation here. Now we commanded you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. Oh, it's interesting. Paul is saying that that, that city in, in Thessalonica they struggle with idleness. There are some brothers who struggle with idleness. And not in accord with the tradition that you received us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. Because we were not idle. For when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. Okay, that's interesting. But with toil and labor, we worked day and night that we might not be a burden to any of you. Wow. It was not because we do not have the right, 
and he's saying the right to receive money from you, church of Thessalonica, but we, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. Praise God. You know why? It's because for the first 18 months of his visit to Corinth, when he was there, he had already, in Acts chapter 18, verse 3, we'll talk about that later, but that's, he already decided to be a tent maker. He had already, in his previous profession, been a tent maker, and back in those days, being a tent maker would be that you would, you would work in a, in a shop, and you would make tents, but then you'd have customers come in and he'd be able to have conversations with them. But he was working as a tent maker. You see, he was not idle. He wasn't just saying, all right, I'm just going to wait here until someone pays me and then I'll preach. He continued to do the work of God. He continued to surrender his life to God. He continued to love the Lord, his God, with all of his heart. And he continued to do that faithfully, even though his rights were taken away from him. Or not taken away, but not given. He was not given what he rightfully deserved. He worked day and night. Day and night. Yes, he was a single man. And yes, he probably had a lot more time on his hands in this, in this aspect. But think about that. Day and night, preaching the gospel. Going to the synagogues. Teaching God's word. Going and, and proclaiming the word of God and yet working as a tent maker. I'm just going to stop here and say that, you know, in our, in our society... Um, and, and, and I just want to take this biblical principle and kind of apply it to Canada right now. And, 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 and this is the truth. Uh, there's a lot of people who have needs. Yes, it's true. And there's a lot of people who are suffering. But there's a lot of free handouts too. And, and, and you know this, and we know this. And we're not accusing one another, accusing other people, or saying, yeah, why did that person get this? Why did, why did I not get this? No, no, no. Listen very carefully. This biblical principle is very clear. You enjoy work because God provided work so that you can glorify him, so that you can provide for your family, so that you can provide for your family so that they do not have to worry. So, Listen, it's a very clear biblical principle. If you love God and if you love those around you and if you love your family, you're going to work hard and you're going to, and you're going to provide for your family. And yes, there are going to be certain circumstances where you may be disabled or maybe having some physical ailment where you cannot work, and that's where the government comes in and helps, and church as well. For, but for the most part, we live in a very lazy society. We expect everything to come in. Oh, is the government going to give me a, an extra this or that? When is CERB going to continue? Is it going to continue? I don't even know. But, it, you know, listen. Yes, there are some people who really need it because they've lost their jobs. But brothers and sisters, let's not forget this. The biblical principle is this. Do not let your hands be idle. Continue to work. Continue to be a good example to those people around you. Continue to trust God. Continue to work hard day and night for his glory. And, 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 and let's not complain because God has given us more than what we ever deserve in his son, Jesus. So that's a principle there. And so not only 
does he explain the scriptures, Paul also finally in this last section examines his calling. And this is, is, is this where the application comes? You and I need to examine our calling. Are we called by God? If you're called by God, you're called into his eternal kingdom. You're called to be sons and daughters of the king. You're called into an eternal kingdom that is not of this world. You're called to the things that are of eternal value, not of the things that are of temporal value. So, let's read this. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. Wow. Second time he said this. I am not saying these things to secure any provisions, and I'm not going to make use of these rights. He's decided. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity has laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Now it's difficult to understand that, that, that portion where it says I would rather die, and I've been mulling over this for a while why does Paul say, for I will rather die? He's saying this because he doesn't want anyone to take that joy. The word boasting here doesn't mean boasting as in arrogance or pridefulness. It means that inner joy of knowing that he's doing what he's doing for the glory of God. And he's like, I don't want anyone to deprive me of this boasting, of this good goodness that God has given me to preach the gospel to the nations. So, therefore... I've made no use of my rights. I'm not writing these things to secure any such provision. He's telling them, this is such an interesting thing. He's, <laughs> the first 14 verses, 13 verses, he's telling them evidences from the Bible, like passage after passage, that he deserves to be paid. And now he's saying, don't pay me. Or he's not saying, don't pay me. He's just saying, I'm not making this a requirement of you. And I'm not asking you for it. Because I don't want anyone to take away the joy, the pure joy of me in my boast in the Lord. And then it goes on to say this, and this is further interesting. He says, for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, you can look Anytime you look at scripture and you don't understand what's going on, look at the context. Context is king. Context rules. So context means with the text, which means what's with the text? Right after that, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. So his boasting and his joy is not just because he knows that the gospel is true, but because he's obligated. Because in, in and of himself, he has no boast, no Joy because he's doing this gospel ministry. He's not saying, oh, I preached a good message. Oh, I'm so good. I'll have reason for boast. No, it's because of my calling. It's because I love Jesus. And because I want to tell other people about Christ. It's because the world is dying and I need to tell people about Jesus. I am obligated. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And this is the attitude that we should have, church. How, how much of that urge... Or that passion is in your heart. 
When you read the news and you hear all about the convoys and all about things going on, and, and you may be on one side or another, and frankly, I could care less. But the thing is this, uh, the reason why I say I care less is not because I don't care about the, 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 the issues involved. It's because I care about something else that he's talking about. There's something about the kingdom of God that goes beyond just what you're worried about right now. You should be concerned about your neighbor. You should be concerned about people in your family that don't know Christ. You should be concerned about those people who have lost their jobs or someone who's struggling and who is with mental illness and who have been going through very difficult times. We should be proclaiming and living out the gospel. And that is why he says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Verse 17, and here, let, let's go even further. I, I keep saying that because I know Paul just keeps doing this. Uh, For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. <laughs> but if I don't do this of my own, if it's not of my, will, uh, my own will, I am still entrusted with the stewardship. Now what he's saying here is, if this is of my own will, which his own will, and let's just be honest here, his desire is so that he could preach the gospel uh, and, and, and be financially supported. That's his own will, his own desire. But then he says, he, he will receive a reward, it's a financial reward, so if it's of his own will, he'd get paid, he'll get financially supported, he'll have provisions. But it says, but if not my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. Wow. And even if my desires are not met, even if my desires are not met, even, so we'll just start with rights here. His, des, his rights aren't even met. Now his desire, he's laying aside his desire too. So it's not only he's laying aside his rights, he's not giving up his rights, he's laying them aside, and then he's also laying aside his, his desire for the, look at the text, for the, it's for the furtherance of the gospel because he's entrusted with the stewardship. He cannot, he cannot let go of the fact that God has given him this work to do. And church, this is our proclamation. This is our banner that, that, that through COVID, past COVID, before COVID, our banner is that Jesus Christ be proclaimed and that disciples are being made in this church and around the world. This is our calling. Verse 18, verse 18, what then is my reward? He asked this last question, that in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Oh. His reward is that he would lay down his rights so that they would not stumble and they would not be a, that, that they would not feel burdened. Even though Paul said, hey, I have every right to be supported by you and I didn't know exactly what the circumstances in Corinth were, but, but Paul said, I lay these things aside so that I can preach the gospel free of charge. Free of charge for them, but hey, he's got to live, so he becomes a tent maker. And this is on to my next point here. Next slide here. Acts 18, verse 3. You see, he goes from Athens to Corinth. He sees Priscilla and Quilla. 
And then he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. In first section, first few months of being at Corinth, he worked as a tent maker. But on to the next slide. He worked with his own hands. And that's, and that's really important. He worked with his own hands. And in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 27, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and in thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. This is what it cost Paul when he laid down his rights. He had to work day and night. He was hungry, without food. And he had to work an extra job in order so that the people that he sees would hear the gospel and he could actually survive. Wow. He loves God. And he loves the church. He loves people. Can we say the same in, throughout this pandemic? Can we say, Lord, I have grown in my love for you. And I've grown in my love for others in such a way that I lay down my rights and I do whatever it takes because I know that you are the one whom I serve. In chapter um, 12, verse 14 to 18, it speaks of this. I hear, I am ready to come to you this third time and I will not be a burden because I do not want what is yours but you. For your children not to, not to lay up for your parents but the parents for their children. I will most gladly be spent for you. If I love you more, and am I to be loved less? Wow. Let it be assumed that I, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, you say, and here's, here's the truth, uh, since I was crafty, I took you in by deceit. Did I take advantage of you through any of whom those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus to go and sent the brother with him. Titus did uh, not take advantage of you, did he? Did we not conduct ourselves with the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? So Paul tells the church at Corinth, I love you so much. Why do I feel so that, 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 that you love me less? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7 to 10, it says, Did I commit a sin by humbling myself so that you might be exalted? Because I proclaimed God's good news to you free of charge. I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. Whoa. I robbed other churches in order to, uh, to, by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone. For my needs were supplied by my friends who came from Macedonia. And in 2 Corinthians, it talks about that. And the church that did not have very much was the one who provided much for Paul. It doesn't take a lot of money in order to glorify God. Only a faithful and willing heart. And so Paul is saying here, I robbed that church. Like, it's not that he actually robbed them, but it's, it's hyperbole here. He's like, I'm literally taking away their money in order to serve you. In some senses, he's, he's kind of like uh, correcting them and, and, and making them aware of their error. On to the positive here. Philippians 4, verse 15 to 17 says this. 
Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. He's talking about the Philippian church, which was, 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 ugh, which was in Macedonia. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again, so he was able to be, fully, to be supported there. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Oh, when a church is willing to give, when believers are willing to give, it is so very good. When the believers are willing to meet the needs of other people, it is so very good. When the believers are willing to say to a missionary, say, I'm going to support you financially for the sake of the gospel, it is very good. I had a friend, uh, he, um, he actually worked for NASA. He was uh, very successful and he left uh, that to come to TMS, Master Seminary, where I studied. Uh, and so he was one of my roommates. In fact, I was the landlord uh, taking care of all the rooms in, in the home and we had a guest house and he uh, he had a church in San Francisco that was supporting him. And so he would go back and forth from L.A. to San Francisco and fly back and forth. And I remember talking to him and I'm saying like, to him, like, wow, like, like we want to support you. We, we don't want to charge you rent. And so we didn't charge him rent for a while. And he, his church supported him with the flights back and forth. He preached on Sunday, came back to TMS, Master Seminary, to study and to, to get his uh, uh, master's degree in, in, in divinity. And, and I was in a few of his classes as well. And so he would go back and forth and back and forth every weekend for three years. He has four kids, four young ones. And, and, and the amazing thing is this, is at the very end, like, like I think closer to the end, he, 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 he gave me a check. And he said, Andrew, like, this is for the, the you know, like, payment for, for, for the room. I'm like, no, no, you don't need to, you don't need to. He's, no, no, I'm amply supplied. My church supported me. He's, that he's so thankful, and he wants to give it. You know, you see... The amazing thing is that when God works in people's lives, when God works in the church, when God continues to show people that we are to be part of his work, the priority then becomes, how am I supposed to support those who go into missions? Those who go and, 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 and take their families from Canada and from the U.S. and go to India and China and, 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 and Saudi Arabia and other places around the world. God, give us a vision in Psalm 67 where it talks about that the nations be glad in God. And, and, and that we can actually participate in that. I pray that these walkaways will help you. These are the three walkaways that we have here. The first walkaway is this. Laying aside our rights is a biblical practice. I hope that you get this from this message that... that, that the, the, the ultimate laying aside of rights is Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, right? He, absolute, he had the right to judge. He had the right to condemn. You see, but Jesus Christ took on our sin. He became sin so that we could have the righteousness of God. 
He laid down his rights. No, not his rights. He laid down his life. He laid down his life for us, not just his rights and what he deserved. He laid down his life for us. That's why at the Garden of Gethsemane, he could have said, nope, no, nope, no, nope, it's too hard. I'm not doing this. Love. That's what Jesus did. We need to lay aside our rights because this is a biblical practice. And the second is this. Each person is worth their labor. Let's not forget this. If you work hard, you'll deserve to be paid. If you don't work, don't expect food to be on the table. And I say this to any young person and any person who right now just thinks that you can just live off of other people's earnings. No, you must work because a worker is worth their labor and a worker is worth his wages. And then finally, there is a greater goal. There are greater goals and priorities than obtaining what you rightfully deserve. And what is the greater goal? What is the greater priority? The greater priority is the gospel of Jesus Christ being lived out in you and proclaimed through you to other people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's so much in this text, but we so thank you for your word. We thank you that Paul has gone through this so that we can see his example, that we can understand his example, that we could follow his example, that Lord, that you, O oh God, have given him rights and yet he lay aside those rights. And it was such a big lesson for the church at Corinth. And yet the church in Philippi responded with joy because they were the ones who really saw that your work was a priority. And so God, I just pray that the application of this, of this passage would just shine forth in our light, in our, in our hearts. And I just pray, O oh God, that if there are any of us struggling with laying aside our rights, that, that, that we would do so not because we have the power to do so, but because, oh God, you call us to do so for the sake of your gospel, for the sake of people around us, for the sake of loving other people and, and, and sharing with them the good news of the gospel. So I pray, oh God, and I pray for any person in this room who has been impacted by the message about the wages and, and working, Lord, I just pray that, that we would not have idle hands, that we would that we'd stop looking to ourselves and looking inward, that we would look to you, that we would surrender our lives to you and live for you, O oh God, not wasting our life. Lord God, finally, just pray, O oh God, that our focus will be on something far greater, a far greater priority. less on what we rightfully deserve. In Jesus' name.